Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Wizard the Bruiser. I'm your slimy bruiser, Holden McNeely. And I'm your dry, chalky wizard, Jake Young. Oh no, he'll put a spell on you and it'll dry you up. I'm a desiccant. What? I preserve foods and uh-huh. various textiles. Well, I'm just one of those badass Skyrim reptile lords that walks around just punching dudes with his tail. So dry. Oh, good lord. We couldn't be more off right now. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. I was actually really excited when Jake suggested this episode topic. Uh, today, we are talking about the Nintendo DS. Arguably, I'm going to say it right here and now, Jake Young, to you, I think the Nintendo DS might be the greatest console of all time. It's definitely the one that I loved the most, the one that I think the most fondly of. And I think for a lot of people, especially gamers now, it's been long enough that we're, it's nostalgia. It's nostalgia. And at the same time, I literally played my DS on the way over here. <laughs> I play it almost every single day. It is my travel companion. It has gotten me through so many shitty train rides, mm-hmm. so many long, long trips. I'm excited to go on trips now because I'm like, oh, I can I can catch up on some Phoenix Wright, you know? Um, and uh, so I was really happy you suggested this one because I don't think it, it does get a lot of credit, but I still think it could get more than it even does, you know? Like, mm-hmm. Like, like people are like, oh, PlayStation, oh, Xbox, oh, Atari. Well, but here, no one's screaming about the DS, Jake. Well, that's the thing. The, the DS sold like, t- it's the second most highest selling console of all time. Below the PlayStation 2, it sold 140, uh, 154.02 million units. And the PlayStation 2 didn't sell that many more above that. It is it was an inc- it was an ubiquitous item for kids, adults. It was immensely popular. It exploded the uh, you know, the gaming population, but it doesn't have that level of like gamer cred, that level of like uh, nostalgia, like shared history. No one talks about oh the this one moment in New Super Mario Brothers that like blew my mind, or like oh man, I really have you know I I feel like I grew up playing Doctor Kawashima's Brain Training. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think for for me personally, and uh, of course we always like to talk about our own personal relationship with these things. I for for my experience, I got a, a you know I have to say, and by the way, I'm gonna just go ahead and say it. People like to treat the 3ds like it's so different from the DS. I'm lumping them all together when I talk no, about my fondness no. for the DS. No, mm, <laughs> boo! With that little circle nub, what is that nub? <laughs> that little ugh, gross. It's a nub. 
It's oh. a lovely nut, but but I I my the system I got was a 3DS, but at, at, at the same time, so I was even I even picked this thing up way into its console cycle. Um, but I got it with a link uh, between worlds actually, in uh, so that was what like 2015, Ugh. something like that. I mean, I got it like way later after the Nintendo uh, DS had been out, which which was ten years. You're talking about a ten year late to the party. How fucking crazy is that? You, I mean, you weren't there, man. You weren't you weren't in the struggle in 2000. 2006, just, you know, playing hour after hour of Animal Crossing Wild World or, you know, just Nintendogs. like... Nintendogs? Yeah, you've you, you never been Nintendogs. <laughs> you've never done Nintendogs. Um, I bet if you if I asked you who your favorite character to play as in Super Mario 64 DS, you wouldn't even know that Wario is, in fact, the most pleasurable character to play as. Princess Peach? Ah! I don't know. I didn't even... I, you know, but for me, personally, that was what was so amazing about it. Like, I love getting consoles way late in the cycle uh, or skipping over entire generations and getting like a, a backwards compatible console because you get like this bounty of amazing games. For me, when I acquired my 3DS for Link Between Worlds, when I finally said, you know what? Okay, first of all, you got to know. All right. I, I got like, uh, uh, I became a bohemian uh, shitlord uh, <laughs> around college time. I mean, you did wear those capes mm-hmm. and you did constantly talk about Charles Pukowski. I got uh, uh, a bunch of instruments. I don't even know how to pronounce their names. A and zipper? tried to play them. Yeah, a, 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 a glindo <laughs> and a picante. And, and a bilophone, which is a xylophone <laughs> if you're down with dudes and girls. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I got real, you know, I was listening to jazz music. I was listening to records. You know, I was like, I don't watch TV anymore, dad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I did that whole thing. And I kind of turned my back to video games for a long time. I feel like maybe I felt like, oh, video games, that was just the kid me. I'm, I'm grown up now, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, but I could never get too far away from it. I'd always come back around to it, you know, for the GTAs, for stuff like that. And when I got up to New York, I didn't really have a console proper for a very long time. It actually wasn't until I saw the pr- the trailer for Link Between Worlds, and I was like, oh, my God, they're making, like, another, like, Super Nintendo Zelda. This looks amazing. And and then, you know, I looked into the DSs, and I, I think my roommate bought one, and I was like, oh, man, I, I, like, I like playing video games, but I have to share this one TV with two roommates. But if I get this fucking console, this, this, this 3DS, I can just, like, sit in my room and chain smoke and, like, play, you know, JRPGs, <laughs> you know? And so I picked it up. I got Link Between Worlds. I, I crushed it. I, I I loved it so much. And then after that, I picked up Bravely Default. And that was like, whoa, daddy for me. Because I had I, I have a deep love for JRPGs, for, you know, Final Fantasies, that sort of, uh, uh, you know, Chrono Trigger, all those kinds of games. Chrono Trigger, again, also they put out a port of that on the, the DS. Um, so I got Bravely Default. And it was like the JRPG that I'd been wanting to play for the past, like, 10 years. You know, that, that like... Finally, like I was like, they're still making fucking games like these. It came out like that year, right? Um, And it absolutely blew my mind. And then I did a little looking into it and realized that oh my god, the DS is the JRPG system I didn't even know about. And there's like 20 awesome JRPGs that I can play on this thing. And then I proceeded to essentially do so. That's amazing to me because I, when I think of the Nintendo DS, I am immediately transported back to like 2007, where I got like my first job out of college. I had like this. This perfect half-hour train ride uh, to and from uh, the place I like my first job for my first apartment, and like 
and <laughs> and I had an R4 cartridge, which allowed you to download like literally every game for free and play it on uh, the, my DS Lite, uh, which were very hard to find back then. They were they were selling it like. Like hotcakes. Yes. Well, you know, you know, you're walking down the street and they're like, "Hot cake, get a hot cake," and then they're just mauled by people being like, "Give me those fucking cakes, old man! Give me your fucking cakes!" It's the middle of the summer and people don't even give a shit. They want them the hotter the better. They wanted to burn their mouth. They said the sugar gets to the bloodstream faster if they, you burn your entire mouth in the hot cake. Right. It was like that, but with the Nintendo DS Lite. So the only one I could actually find was the coral pink one. Yeah. Uh, I I loved that thing. Sleek. I, pink it was very it looked like a little uh like a makeup like yeah uh, yeah no it looked like a it was like a compact uh yeah it's it was the we will we'll get into it but the nintendo ds Lite is maybe one of the most beautiful like gadgets ever made totally uh i actually uh in in paint wrote the like drew a bunch of skulls on it and wrote the word knives because i thought it was <laughs> ironic and funny <laughs> I thought it was funny that I'd just be just like... Just out of college, huh? Yeah, just out okay. of college with a All pink right. DS with skulls that said <laughs> knives on it. Uh, the only time I'd ever got a reaction was when uh, my sister uh, said, Hey, one of my friends saw you on the subway. Why did you write knives on your Game Boy? <laughs> But it wasn't the JRPGs. It was all like the, the weird software, all these like experimental games that yes. would never exist on any other console and like basically kind of gone away since the DS kind of had its heyday. Games like uh, uh, Elite Beat Agents or yes. Cooking Mama or Professor Layton or Phoenix Wright. These were yeah. games that like just uh, were totally unique and were not appearing anywhere else because if we go back to the system's inception, Video games were a very different, were at a very different place, and and I got to go and experience a bunch of those games. I've, I've played almost all of the Professor Layton titles. I think I, I've only not played the the last of the six games, mm-hmm. and then I haven't played the Phoenix Wright Professor Layton crossover game. Oh my god, I lo- I have such a huge fondness for Professor the Professor Layton series. It's absolutely incredible. The sto- okay, let's just talk about because I wanted to t- I want to spend time on that. I want to spend time on Phoenix Wright, so fuck it. I'll, I I want to talk about it for a second. Professor Layton, if you have a DS, please play this series. It is absolutely amazing. The art is really good. They have really great cutscenes. I love the animation. The stories are like it's very kitty and very like childlike, but they get really fucked and tragic and like so super sad. I mean, sad. it's an anime lawyer drama. Yeah. And uh, if you're it's well, no, Prof- Professor Layton. Oh, yeah, oh, oh I'm sorry. I got, I got Phoenix my wires right, crossed. Phoenix Wright, though. We can, I, I kind of put them in the same, and there was a crossover game, yeah, of yeah, course, yeah, as well. But, but yeah, where you solve these, pu- you, you, uh, it's just a bunch of different puzzles, and you walk around this town, and you get to know all the different townsfolk, and it's this really peaceful, fun game. Don't you, forget mindlessly tapping on the bottom screen every single time to find those little hint coins. Yes, to get find hint coins. You're tapping around on the screen. Um, every and, puzzle has a solution. I just love the whole, a gentleman never, what, what is it? Uh, a gentleman never forgets his hat, right? <laughs> Isn't that what it is? He always wears his hat. Oi, professor, <laughs> what is my relation to you? <laughs> I just kind of appear. <laughs> Do you own me? <laughs> now, now, Luke. Now, now, Luke. You may be made out of machine parts. <laughs> um, 
Uh, yeah, that whole series is just has such a, a warmth to it, such a heart to it. Phoenix Wright, the yeah, the anime lawyer uh, uh, sh- uh, game, the, the the half murder mystery detective, half uh, uh, calling people on their bullshit, and talk about using experimental stuff. We have to uh, say the uh, talk about how the DS has a microphone inside of it, so when you would like to object, you literally get to hold a button down and yell objection into your <laughs> DS, which is like super fun to do. You, you can also hit a button. You, you don't. Can have- it a Hold it if you want to stop people um, uh, in in the, in your in their testimony. I've played mm, like four, I think, out of the the Phoenix Wright saga, uh, and I continue to play them. I actually have one of the those games in my bag right now. Um, but how did we get this magical foldable? dual screen device let's take not a ride in the way way back machine because again we held a gun to that machine and blew its brains out and i forget which episode that was uh the point was it was beginning to question its own existence (laughs) and things kept disappearing from the studio growing irritable like it was like we were in a fucking rick and morty episode so um but yeah, let's let's take it all the way back to where do I have a, my first date? January twentieth, two thousand four, I think is is around where we're picking up this story. Now, how was Nintendo doing in two thousand four? Was I mean, if I remember correctly, Nintendo beloved titan of the video game industry, probably doing great. Um, probably, probably doing. What do we got? We got the GameCube. Oh, we've got the end of the uh, Game Boy Advances. Uh, really, it's it's uh, mm-hmm. uh, time. Yeah, the GameCube not doing great. Uh, uh, Nintendo getting known for playing it safe, getting known for not really innovating, for kind of, um, you know, I think getting a little stale, correct? Well, I mean, it was uh, formerly the uh, best-selling and almost the sole source of the video game industry, but now it was, uh, by this time, it was uh, lagging in third place behind... uh, uh, the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox, which were uh, graphical marvels that were appealing to core gamers, while Nintendo was kind of just uh, had a reputation for, you know, being having underpowered hardware and not having good or like particularly violent or exciting games. Uh, In a time where everything was dark and brooding and everybody was murdering, it was kind of hard to sell the Nintendo brand as quite as well. When you're, it's up against GTA and Call of Duty and all these kinds of games. That I believe all- you're forgetting a little title known as Kirby's Air Ride. <laughs> <laughs> we got Kirby's Air Ride on our purple lunchbox of a console. That lovely, wholesome, wonderful Nintendo brand was starting to fade, and and and, and, and even the GameCube is seeing titles like Resident Evil. 4 and some of the some more mature like darker titles so it's even kind of giving into what's going on around it with the other consoles um so yeah but but the ds was never looked at as the next big thing for nintendo the next big generational leap it was it was actually looked as a third pillar system uh outside of the game game cube and the game boy advance um this is uh so this was where this is where the transition from uh Hiroshi Yamauchi was the uh former badass in charge of Nintendo. Uh his family had owned the Nintendo company since when they were making playing cards and he was the guy that was like kind of who who kind of spearheaded the uh rise of the corporation from a toy manufacturer to literally the most popular software and hardware developer in the world. Uh he did this by being a real asshole to a lot of people. <laughs> 
but when he finally retired, he passed off uh, control to Satoru Iwata. Iwata, which is, uh, you know, uh, uh, rest in peace as well, who was uh, a very uh, beloved and respected president from, you know, what I've, everything I've gleaned he would do. He was really uh, the type of guy to reach out directly to the customer. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't, what, what are they called? Uh, where he would he would do, like, talks. Uh, Iwata asks. Iwata asks. Um, and he uh, actually have a quote from him um, from 2004. And he said, we have developed Nintendo DS based upon a completely different concept from existing game devices in order to provide players with a unique experience for the 21st century. Would um, And he claimed it would help put Nintendo back in the forefront of innovation and move away from the conservative image that it had been described about the company in the past. This was like them kind of putting their best foot forward just to say, hey, we, we, do, we do take risks. We do try stuff. Um, and, and so, but at the same time, it was still, you know, uh, uh, touch and go, you know, they didn't know what, what actually was going to come out of it. You know, I mean, it was this, like this entire company that had just been like basically the big dick in charge was finally being humbled. And it was Iwata who had to like go to individual, uh, departments and kind of clean the air out basically. And so, uh, the goals for the DS were that it was going to be, uh, Instead of trying to compete constantly with PlayStation and Xbox with higher graphics and, you know, more powerful hardware and more expensive games, they wanted to kind of, instead, they wanted to do the blue ocean strategy, which is where, like, you're no longer just fighting tooth and nail over the same hardcore gaming audience. You're just going to go to cleaner waters and just, like, find people who normally wouldn't have bought a handheld, a handheld gaming system and, and appeal to them. The strategy is called gaming population expansion. That was like how they referred to that. Exact. I'm sure in Japanese it had it sounded less creepy. <laughs> and you mentioned uh, the former president Yamauchi. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, "If the DS succeeds, we will rise to heaven. But if it fails, we will sink to hell." I mean, it's, it's very intense. It's a big difference between the way he talks, and the way Hawaii talks. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Um, but uh, the team that he was working with was the same team that had built uh, Nintendo's other plat- other portable platforms like the original Game Boy, the Game Boy Color, and the Game Boy Advance. Mm. And that team were all the protégés of uh, Gunpei Yokoi, who uh, famously uh, is kind of responsible for Nintendo's still current philosophy of uh, lateral thinking with seasoned technology. Basically, don't waste all your time trying to do something like, you know, with R&D and like trying to break through some kind of impossible wall. Just take the stuff that already works and put it together in a novel way that like people will like enjoy. Well, and talk about taking stuff that already works. I mean, this was actually kind of the, its earliest iteration or, or this design was actually based on the Game & Watch uh, they had multi-screen Game & Watches. Now, Game & Watch is what led to the Game Boy. It, w- it was a bunch of different handheld electronic games produced by Nintendo from 1980 to 1991. I mean, this is like original ass Game cool. Boy, and they would have a screen up top and a screen at the bottom. That, uh, yeah, and... and um, it looks like garbage, but they'd had like a Donkey Kong one and like a Mario one or whatever. It have it, 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 and also though it had other features like a clock and or an alarm or both. So even like little extra things. I think that that actually again is the most bare basic prototype for what the DS would be, where it's like, oh, it doesn't just play your games. You can also, in the DS's case, go on Netflix or you know, um, chat with friends. Oh you know? yeah, the uh, the original DS. Uh- Okay, yeah, we're, we're uh, actually it was Yamauchi 
uh, actually told the hardware team developing the uh, Nintendo DS, hey, put a second screen on it like those old Game & Watches we used to make. <laughs> and Yamauchi had retired over a year at that point. Wow, wow. Um, amazing. Um, and so... Uh, you know, they unveiled it at E3. They called it, I think, originally Project Nitro. Yes, it was under the code name Nitro. And then well, what does DS stand for again? It stands for two different things. Uh, dual de- developer's system or dual screen. And uh, the developer system was also about the fact that they made a system that was easier to program for, wasn't bogged down by too much proprietary technology, and was, uh, and you know, that Nintendo was making this region free. They were kind of like trying to bring back developers uh, after they had been alienated by both the N64, which was a nightmare to program for, Mm. and the uh, GameCube, which uh, they had a lot of exclusive deals and, you know, really pushed hard for developers to do stuff for it. But the user base was just so small that a lot of people considered that a waste of their time and money. Right. Uh, And, 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 you know... the, the DS itself is incredibly uh, innovative in terms of uh, the different, you know, the built-in microphone, the dual screen with the touchscreen at the bottom, uh, the Wi-Fi capabilities. Mm-hmm. But it's also these were all, and these were all components that were basically off the shelf from like PDAs and early uh, touchscreen cell phones. Like right. they weren't, blo- you know, this was stuff that any electronics factory already knew how to put together in a single device just no one bothered to do it in the way they did just do it so well so correctly and you well, were the original designs yeah, had yeah. Some room well for and then, but that's when the D- the ds slim right it's the light sl- the ds light now that was kind of the moment i feel like when they came out with with that design what we were talking about almost looks like a little like makeup compact like it's just incredibly sleek and <laughs> simple and and not like and trying as hard to, as possible to not be lame looking and nerdy looking you know the so, original ds was so nerdy looking yeah just goo- just goofy and angular and and hey i'm i'm a nerd who loves who loves and it was video like a, games. it was it was too big to really store in your pocket mm-hmm. and uh the hinge actually uh someone pointed this out on youtube when i was doing research and it, it I, I can't believe i never realized this uh you know the game boy sp that like foldable Game Boy Advance. Oh, yeah. I, t- I think I had one. The original DS is literally just that with some wings on it. Yeah. Like the same hinge. Like it literally has the same proportions. It's kind of weird that they just took that design. Even the buttons des- uh, are designed the same way. I mean, it was the same team. Yeah. But like the the leap in design philosophy from the DS uh, fat, as it's as it's properly known, and the <laughs> DS, the, the DS morbidly obese, and the <laughs> DS low carb. <laughs> Is incredible, and yeah. uh, it coincided. This is around 2006. So it's like Apple's got. I, I feel like it's one a, year away before the iPhone. Okay, but I, the iPod was the hottest shit. And in I town. feel like they took a big note from that, it, just in its curvature and its sleek, simple. Small it was white. Design. It was the the initial DS Lite uh, uh, color was this pearl white, just like the iPhone so I, it, iPod. I'm it sorry. just it it looked like a, a cool item to have again you know like like something that you you don't have to be like a toll and i feel like at the same time maybe i'm jumping around or t- ahead too much but like you also had franchises that really carried it and i think one of the biggest ones is pokemon for a lot of people the ds is the pokemon machine um and i also feel like pokemon became like kind of cool at a certain point in time like it was weird I remember this happening because I remember like I loved Pokemon when I was a little kid but I remember I was just on Reddit and just there were little rumblings like when you know no, all on the, the internet kids that grew up in the all the kids that had the first generation were old enough to be like it's this thing that happens where yeah. uh, whatever the trend whatever the dumb trend 
kids have when they're like in grade school uh, that kind of um, for, like there's going to be an explosion of like weird Minecraft nostalgia in the next oh, year or two. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, but like you're in, you're in the adult world. You finally made it out. And all of a sudden you have an opportunity to be like, Hey, wait, does everybody remember this stupid bullshit? <laughs> yeah, how much fun we had doing this, and this is actually now I can confidently be an adult enjoying this mm-hmm. thing. And I, I remember seeing just stuff online being like, no, 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 Pokemon's cool again, everybody. It is, it just <laughs> is, sorry, you know? And everyone's just like, yeah, it's fucking cool again. And so I feel like for a lot of people, their DS was a Pokemon machine and and still is, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I know grown-ass adults who don't even play video games, but like when the new Pokemon game comes out, they like stop everything and I'm, pull their DS out and it's play the shit out of it. It's a portable franchise yeah. from the original Game Boy to, I mean, dear God, they better release one for the Switch. So those oh, franchises carry, you know, the the system in such a huge way. Like the innovations, I feel like launched it really well and got people talking about it and interested in it and well, this enjoying is, it. It was um, before the DS, before 2006, they were actually, um, they did not have faith in the origi- in the DS. They were actually couching expectations to launch a Game Boy follow-up to the Game Boy Advance, having like, in, you know, claimed that like, oh no, no, the DS was just this this crazy extra thing that we were doing on the side. Right. Ah, that, thank God that's over. Here's the real new Game Boy. Totally. But in 2006, uh, it was the it was Pokemon. Yeah, Pokemon uh, uh, Diamond and Pearl. Pokemon Diamond and Pearl in 2006, and New Super Mario Brothers, which was yes. the best-selling uh, DS game of all time. And the DS Lite all came out at the same time. And that, if you look at the sales charts, exploded the thing from like, oh, interesting, whatever, to like the most popular It Prints Money Jesus Christ thing. Oh, yeah. Also, crossover Pokemon. I'm going to say that eight more times. crossover because I mentioned <laughs> Zelda earlier. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Diamond and Pearl uh, definitely ex- exploded, exploded the 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 brand out I think in a huge way along with the sleek look of the the DS Slim now what's interesting is they did have a bit of competition at the same time Mm -hmm. and really I thought it was going to go the other way that's probably because I was a big Sony boy back then but the PSP that was announced at E3 in 2003 Nintendo was scared to Death Fuck of the yeah, PSP. they were because it looked amazing. It was like, oh my god, I can play like straight up modern day Grand Theft Auto on on this thing. Mm-hmm. This thing looks so cool. It was released in North America on March twenty fourth, two thousand five. The design was awesome. It was very iPod-y, very uh, iPhone. Uh, it was like cooler. It looked cooler. And by than- iPod-y, I do mean the uh, toilets that you could uh, play, play get music. Your, yeah. Get your music library played on. Uh, Let's get it started. <laughs> Let's get. And it would pause for the fart. <laughs> was most powerful. It was the most powerful portable when it launched. It had a 4.3 viewing screen, a, a, a fucking high end GPU. It it uh, it had a video player, a TV tuner. It was doing some of the same stuff. It had it had touch capabilities, right, on the screen or no? I don't think so. Maybe that was more with the little with the the poor Vita, which will probably not, sadly probably not get its own episode uh the uh although the psp did have a lot of the same issues that the vita has mm. which is just that um even though it's more powerful and even though it's like uh you know it is n- numerically the more superior system uh those extra having to actually live up to those extra resources and having to actually like use that extra horsepower means that the games made for it are uh, more expensive Yes. And that means that there's less room for experimentation. Well, also, I think this was the moment where consumers in general learned the lesson of uh, what makes a good handheld game and what makes a good 
console on your television game. And there's a huge difference there. When it when it comes to, like, this is the actual divergence where we realize, like, oh, shit, I can play GTA on this thing. That's amazing. I play GTA on the subway. And then you start playing it, and you're like, I don't want to play GTA on this tiny-ass screen <laughs> on the subway. Like, I need a controller in my hand, and I need, like, a big TV to enjoy GTA on. I don't need modern-day graphics uh, on my tiny-ass uh, handheld because it just doesn't quite translate, you know? If, if I'm going to play a game like this, I want to play that at home uh, on, uh, in my living room. Or, or, if anything, like, the Switch kind of figured it out because they have, like, a much bigger screen so you can kind of enjoy it a little bit better. But really, this is where Nintendo is at its best it's is it's like oh yeah that we we don't know how to make you know uh uh modern day console looking games happen on a tiny portable what we know how to make is games that are fucking kick ass <laughs> to play on portable on a portable like we yeah. know how to make fun games and that's what we're gonna make for this Be- just and- Miyamoto in the corner being like okay I get like I understand we don't have an- enough real-time pixel shaders but hear me out fucking Mario Kart DS where the blue sparks and you can snake and drift around corners as a fucking really blocky Yoshi but you can still tell it's Yoshi it's fine he just made it two polygons whatever it's still Yoshi you well, fuckers also, and it came, I'm Shigeru Miyamoto and it came, you shit fucker it came out much later but you know Link Between Worlds is like perfect in that sense because it's it's an old school looking game that has those that simple you know early you know a Super Nintendo Zelda graphics but um, and that's the perfect game to have on a console not not to mention a game that actually fully utilizes all the capabilities of the DS with um, uh, Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks. It was also meant for everyday use. It was meant to uh, you know be in your pocket at all times. Uh, originally, uh, one of the product names for the DS was going to be a uh, city boy huh? because uh, it was based on kind of, you know, toting it around and like jet setting and like, you know, using it as an organizer or using picto chat to like in public spaces. Um, well, and street pass street pass is awesome. Like, was oh, a yeah, really yeah. cool way to get people. I got really excited about that early on. Like, I don't really care about street pass anymore, but um, no, and no, you, on the subway, you get like, Hey, big, big Steve yeah. is playing Shin Megami Tensei. Good on, for him. Fuck it. Yeah, exactly. I'd get home. I'd be like, dude, I just really, did I really just pass a bunch of other people with the same interest as me? And, and it is funny too, when I do have my DS out and I see somebody else with their DS out, I've made like really fast friends mm-hmm. on the subway. I sat down next to this lady um, and she had a uh, Fire Emblem uh, birthright open, and I just fucking was like, "Am I doing this right now?" And I just pulled out my DS <laughs> and opened up, and I had Fire Emblem birthright, and we just immediately struck up a conversation about which we love the Fire Emblem series. I used to perform at a lot. I mean, a lot of anime conventions. I don't know if you know <laughs> this about me? I used to run. I used to do the circuit. Right? <laughs> Listen, I got a lot of hand jobs from a lot of ladies dressed like very attractive. Vegetas, just voluptuous Vegetas. <laughs> uh, very the triple V. That's what you gotta aim for. Kaka crossover. Voluptuous. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> very early on, I was like taking my uh, DS Lite everywhere, and I thought it would be a hilarious and funny thing if during our shows, I put I put a thing in the, at the end of my set, being like, "Yo, uh, like, if you like, uh, like." While the show's going on, uh, check out Picto Chat room number B, and we're going to be hanging out there. <laughs> and I thought, like, oh, we're going to get feedback. It's going to be, like, a cool hang. Uh, no, just, 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 I mean, how many drawings of dicks do you think? Right. 
Like, have you? How many drawings of dicks have you seen in your life? Because I can tell you, within five minutes, I've seen more than you. <laughs> just like, just the Niagara Falls of crude digital penis drawings. It's there's no way to avoid it, but Nintendo tried. You know, tried to set up a nice, friendly place for people to go and hang out and talk. I mean, just okay. This this is gonna send um, most of our listeners into a nostalgia tailspin. Just listen to the goddamn startup noise. Just every time you opened it up, just. That's how you knew you were ready for fun. Just a calming chime. Uh, also, uh, I never understood quite exactly why, but when you first set up your DS, they asked for your birthday. And like a few games like uh, Animal Crossing would actually remember it. Yes. But uh, the only way, it would just freak me out every year because on my birthday I would play my DS and the sound would be different. <laughs> That's it. That was all that would so happen. Bizarre. <laughs> the, it's not like your the, Game Boy remembered your birthday. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's it was like it's almost an extension of my whole bullshit. Like my DS kind of follows me. I, it goes around with me everywhere. It's essentially um, at this point in my life. Uh, going back to real quick to the PSP too. They sold uh, seventy six point three million units worldwide. Whereas uh, it look, I think the uh, PlayStation, uh, or I'm sorry, the the DS doubled that, uh, doubled oh, yeah. that with 154.02 million units. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, the DS is still. I mean, um, there's a Pikmin game coming out like this week for the 3DS. Like it's still. I mean, it's on its last legs, but it still is has games coming out for it. It's. I feel. It feels so weird hearing you talk about the 3DS. Like it is just part of an unbroken line. When like I, I genuinely think of it as a different system that's crazy to me because i feel like it's it's just well it's because it's backwards compatible and that is not a thing that happens very much anymore you know oh, backwards yeah. compatibility it was like when xbox announced like you sort of have backwards compatibility to the 360 everyone's like ah, like freaking out but that, this used to be a normal thing for me the ds and the 3ds because i got to play all of those ds games that mm-hmm. i wanted to play on my 3ds once i got it and and real i was like wait wait ser- for seriousness this is backwards compatible. Um, well, that's uh, this is this is actually how far the backwards compatibility goes. The original DS and the DS Lite and the DSi had a slot for Game Boy Advance cartridges, uh, and this is this is honestly true. Within every Nintendo DS ever made, not the 3DS because it didn't play a game it, that doesn't play Game Boy Advance games, but within every single like regular line DS, there was a original like 8-bit Game Boy sound chip. Wow. Every single one because during the Game Boy Advance years, that was backwards compatible with the original Game Boy games. And some developers started doing a funny trick where in order to like improve, uh, like in order to like save processing power for the graphics, they would just use the backwards compatible Game Boy sound chip huh. for the music in their Game Boy Advance games. Huh. So in order to maintain 100% backwards compatibility with 100% of the Game Boy Advance games, every DS still had a fucking like old ass 1980s chip in there from the original Game Boy. Now, um... I wanted to talk about some of the more innovative games I, I played that were DS oh, proper games. Yes. Yes. <laughs> now we mentioned fa- Yes! <laughs> we mentioned Phantom Hourglass crossover. And I know I talked about this already in the Phantom Hourglass crossover episode on uh, Zelda, uh, or the Zelda episode three, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Phantom Hourglass, there was a puzzle where you saw a map on the top screen and it says, copy this map. Uh, down and I was like trying to draw the map I was trying to like mm-hmm. I don't know what figure it like drag it or something I was stuck on this exact puzzle and it for, 
forever, right? And I had to stop. I stopped playing. I was like, okay, really? I guess I'm done. But it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen the DS do, like ever. The way you copy the map is you have to literally close your DS and then open it back up. And the map would be copied from the top screen to the. You had to make the two screens touch, in other mm-hmm. words, to make it. Which, when you close the DS, it puts it in like a sleep mode. Well, they just utilize that in that particular game. It's I've never seen that puzzle done again before. It's the, it's one of the cooler things I've ever seen. Uh, the game Hotel, Hotel Dusk, uh, Room Two Fifteen, was this uh, similar to kind of Phoenix Wright, a, a visual novel uh, kind of deal. Uh, used a similar puzzle, and again pissed me off when I came across it. Uh, that one was actually a really innovative game because you held it, uh, you held the whole DS sideways like it was a reporter's notebook and you would actually be encouraged to like write notes in the, on cool. the touch screen with your right hand That's cool. while looking at testimony from the person on the left, from the screen it. on the left. That's great. I, uh, uh, I, I have to, I always mention this. I'm always telling you I'm going to make you do an episode on this one of these days, but The World Ends With You is The most DS, DS game ever made. One of my favorite games I've ever ever played. It is such a fucking awesome game. If you have a DS or a 3DS or whatever, give this game a shot. It's called The World Ends With You. It used to be called What a It was it's called What a Wonderful World in Japan, but they had to change the name, which I like The World Ends With You better honestly as a name, but they had to change the name for copyright reasons once it came into America. It's developed by Square Enix. It is a JRPG. It was um, created by the Kingdom Hearts team, and apparently the Kingdom Hearts game um, is it the 35 Six over two. I, they have the three sixty two point seven. Dream <laughs> Lord never sleep. Whatever. Who gives a shit? But anyways, it's by that team. Um, it's set in a modern day Shibuya, uh, shopping the shopping center in Tokyo. It is. It has a. It has some very uh, mid, very early two thousands Tetsuya Nomura drawings. Uh, it's kind of the aesthetic is just this Japanese Graffiti, new millennium, like, and it was it was based on the, the the youth culture and the art of the youth culture at the time as well. It was heavily mm. used, and it actually that was almost the hardest part for me in terms of getting into the game, um, just because the art style was so over the top, you know. And I was just kind of like, "What is this thing?" And then the story is very cool. Um, it's it's kind of it's it kind of is reminiscent of like Persona and games like that, um, where you're sort of in a real world, but then you're going to this like other other alternate uh, parallel dimension inside the real world. Um, but the coolest thing about it was essentially the fighting was all done on the lower screen and the top screen if you were good enough. But that was really hard. To, like it was super hard. But in order to play the game correctly, you had to on the bottom screen control the main character who uh, had special attacks that you did with swap. Wipes, uh, taps, uh, swirls, and even uh, yelling Screaming, into the microphone. Which was so much fun to do that special move. I'd just be like, ah, until I realized you could just blow into the mic. But I, I had so much fun in the originally just going, ah, and just like had to creating the move. It was such a cool fucking thing. I would be in public and like have to cut my hands around the system and just be like, ah. <laughs> Because I also was too dumb to realize you could just blow it. And then on the top screen, you had to enter directional button commands to, like, make the people on the top screen fight. But at the end of the day, I, I always have to tell people this when they start playing. So I had a friend recently be like, hey, man, do you, like, how do you play this fucking game? I'm just like, don't worry about the top screen. You only need to worry about the top screen if you're, like, an animal. Like, like just, just. No, top screen's key to the whole experience. No. You, you, know, you, you got to gotta, gotta be on top. You got to stay on top. You got to be the top. <laughs> 
No bottoms here. <laughs> oh God, I just said whoa, too much. Whoa, whoa. I just said too much. Uh, but yeah, I, I I can't recommend this game enough. It's just such a cool experience. The art design is really amazing. The story is really great, really kind of fucked up and twisted. And um, anyways, and, and it, it fully utilizes, I feel like, all of the different um, creative components of the DS in such such cool, interesting, interactive ways. And it really is the DS at its best, but there. Uh, do you have any other innovative in games oh. that really like uh, twist the? I want to. Do I? Wanna, I, I want to nerd out on JRPGs, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna hold off for as long Here's as. Here's the thing: it was a JRPG beast, and I barely. That is not really my favorite genre. Oh my god! I uh, so like all the Radiant Historia, Etrian Odyssey yeah. series, Radiant Historia, Bra- Bravely Default, Persona Q, Shimagami Tensei, all 4, the Final Fantasy, Chrono remakes. Trigger, all the Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest, all motherfucking. Dra- it was. It, it's. Rid- it's that is I just named like a thousand hours of video games by the way yeah. like like honestly like the in in, in each <laughs> at this point twenty dollar cartridge fifteen ten dollar cartridge is probably about a hundred hours and I played like most of these I, I have a lot I of sunk up. I think a hundred fifty hours on like the most trash JRPG ever created oh yeah it was, was oh. uh, it was a uh, uh, Super Robot Tyson Endless Frontier <laughs> and I think the only reason I kept playing and it's because I was a lonely, horny nerd, and like there's a special move where you're like non-committal waifu, like just bounces her boobs to kill people. <laughs> I will say, innovative wise, using the the touch screen, the Etrian Odyssey series really stands out for me because in Etrian Odyssey, it's a dungeon crawler where on the bottom screen it doesn't give you the map; you have to draw the map yourself. Um, and they give you all the tools for it, and they make it really simple and easy to do. But it just makes dun- the dun- blind dungeon crawling like so much more entertaining. It gets a little tedious as you go. Like obviously, after a while, you're like, I can't draw any more of these damn maps because it's like a very long game. But uh, what a what an enjoyable way to play a game. Like while you're literally able to draw the map as you as you play through it, and sort of like use that to to like navigate around. It's such, just such a cool thing, interactive thing. Uh, the developer Fifth Cell. Uh, had three incredibly original games that I uh, feel like everybody should try at least once. Uh, the first one is the uh, Drawn to Life, which was a standard platformer, but as you played through the game, you had to draw your own assets on the uh, bottom screen. And so every level, there'd be like a new thing to draw. And like, so floating platforms, you had to draw what that looks like. The gun, you had to draw what that looks like. Uh, the vehicles he had to draw what that looks like. And so by the end of the game, you basically have created a custom platformer that looks like your own personal style. Huh. Uh, Locks Quest was this incredibly uh, ambitious game for the DS, which was a combination of like tactical real-time strategy and tower defense mm. where you were uh, running around fixing turrets and building walls and trying to fight waves of enemies. It had a very like complex story where like you actually cared about the villains. Like it, it was very well balanced. And uh, the most popular one that like kind of blew them and like kind of just defined the rest of their career after that, they invented Scribble Knots. I was about to ask. I was like, wait, Scribble Knots was DS originally, right? Yeah. Scribble Knots is like one of the most fascinating it, when it first came out like i just showed it to everybody it's so cool it was so like you know it's it's like 99 cents on your phone it's available for every console we should, we should with explain every what it is uh, oh uh basically it is a platformer puzzler where uh by you have to solve uh the situations and get like the shiny stars or whatever they they're called by summoning anything that you can think of by writing it down so like uh if there's a lava pit 
You could just be like a jetpack and you can fly over it or you can summon wood, glue, rope and like build a suspension bridge. So it's completely crazy. You could there's like a vampire fight. There's a group of vampires. You can either like write down vampire hunter and kill them that way or you can just write the sun and the sun will kill them all. <laughs> uh, it just it's it, you really could push the limits to like what would actually show up. I remember writing uh, this. This is what blew people's minds is <laughs> on like just the opening screen where you could just tool around. I would summon a uh, 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 a communist which was just a normal guy in a suit and then I would summon millionaire which was just the same guy in the same suit but holding a bag of money and the communist would run over and bludgeon the millionaire to death <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible I remember it was all yeah everyone always uh, summons God and Cthulhu oh yeah yeah uh, that was a big popular one I remember that but yeah yeah I, I it's, it's such a cool interesting fascinating idea and that's just like where games like that were happening, you know? Because it wasn't that expensive. It wasn't that yeah. crazy. You they know, even lowered the price like pretty soon after they released it, I believe. So it was even cheaper than, than it was originally on market. Uh, two titles that were really original was uh, Electroplankton and Korg DS. Hmm. Uh, Electroplankton was a series of music toys, basically. Uh, they, you know, uh, if you remember that one level from Super Smash Brothers, uh, I think it was Brawl that everyone was really mad at because it was bullshit. Uh, it was based on Electroplankton and one of the toys there. Uh, and Korg DS was just a straight up like old synthesizer emulator. And oh, you cool. could like make your own tracks and tweak the, you know, the square waves and the and the killer triangles. I'm not an electronic musician, but I downloaded it for free off the internet and played it on my flashcard and loved every second of it. Also, uh, not innovative at all, but crossover with Castlevania. The, uh, the Oh, so many Egovanias. It had the the great it has the three great more modern uh, uh, Metroidvania Castlevanias with Portrait of Ruin, Aria of Sorrow, and Order of Ecclesia. I believe those are the three. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're all fantastic. Charlotte. <laughs> the opposite of innovative, where they really were just like, if you wanted that old experience made new, that this was where you got it, just like with a uh, uh, link between worlds on Zelda. Also, motherfucking puzzle quest. Yeah. Goddamn, I think I sunk entire an entire year of my life into Puzzle Quest. I am still, so the game I, I was playing earlier today, uh, I cannot recommend this one enough either, is Picross 3D. Picross 3D <laughs> is just such a, Goddamn wonderful time murderer! It is, I, I'm right now. I'm playing Picross 3D Round Two, which came out just last year. Um, both are just, and there is a ton of Picross games, and I'm sure the 2D ones are really great, but the 3D really uh, uses the touch wonderfully, and um, just it, and uh, yeah, it just really is just a wonderful puzzle game that you can just destroy hours of time with it's gotten me through so many different car rides i mean i can't even tell you um so yeah again i pick cross 3d i feel like is one of the more underrated uh, uh titles that that should really get its due uh fuck what else man i mean Mar mario and luigi bowser's inside story uh i actually that one is on like every top list that yeah, is and like, i still haven't played it myself and i'm like i really need to go play it. i played partners in time and really loved that one i heard it's great. It's 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 Mario RPG essentially, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's from what what Inti creates or whatever yeah. that that game company with, is with really good writing, like just really fun 
funny, interesting writing. Apparently, Bowser's Inside Story gives this whole awesome like like backstory to Bowser and gives him like really good motivation and everything, and just kind of does a great job of like giving that story some depth. And apparently, it's just kind of actually hilarious. Um, so uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend that. That's the one I'm actually going to go back and replay after doing the research for this week because mm-hmm. that one kept coming up. And it, like, it's always it's on every list, man. And same with um, uh, 999. Oh. And all of those, uh, I loved 999. I played through it a couple times. It's a visual novel. You play through, uh, you're supposed to play through it multiple times to try to uh, get the true ending. Uh, I think there's like seven different endings or something like that. Uh, it's like you solve puzzles and then get these different story elements. It's actually the kind of game where you want an, an actual notebook next to you and to take notes on things that happen so that when you go back for subsequent playthroughs, you uh, can go different, d- d- make different choices and go through different ways and use those past experiences to inform what you should do and and, and uh, close gaps in the story. And that's part of a series, the Zero, what is it called? Zero it's, Escape something. Yeah, this, whatever. That, that It's part of like a trilogy, and, and um, I think they're all on the DS. But uh, yeah, 999, I believe, is the first of the trilogy and a phenomenal game. And so different from the last like four games we just talked about, too. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing is the variety is just so huge here and, and so great. And, you know, because it's also got incredible platformers mario 3d land is is awesome donkey kong country uh 3d returns 3d is a great donkey kong you're you're muddying you're muddying with your 3ds titles (laughs) my perfect pure ds why can i can i not talk about fire emblem awakening because it was on the 3DS. Let's just jump, let's just let's just jump to 3DS. There was the DSi, which was like dumb. They added RAM. They added like some internet connectivity. They added downloadable titles. But really, really, it was just about locking out all the fuckers that had downloaded <laughs> that had downloaded <laughs> games in Flash. No, legit piracy was insane for the DS. Yeah, insane. Uh, uh, it, there was actually as soon uh, the same year that the uh, the R4 cart, the the one that I had. Uh, was released to the public, game sales in Europe dropped by 50%. Oh, wow. That is how much, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I didn't pay for it. It was like the, the Dreamcast of uh, handhelds. Yeah, yeah. It was totally insane. So they released the DSi uh, and the DSi XL, which uh, Iwata also said uh, was to disrupt the kind of pattern that consumers had gotten into where, you know, uh, everyone felt dumb for buying a console at launch. It uh-huh. kind of like you know, it kind of just narrowed the uh, window so that like whatever whatever version of the hardware you get is gonna be fine. Like you're you're not gonna just like you can't just wait around until it's like twenty bucks. Right, right. Uh, but uh, the follow up. But now you know the DS was originally just this forgotten experiment that like oh you know I, it's not the real Game Boy. But now fuck Game Boy, we're gonna keep this DS train rolling. And so. Uh, while Nintendo, you know, turned it around and kind of re, basically, you know, they reconquered the world with the Wii and the DS by innovating. They were too scared to innovate further and go with anything different. So this is like kind of the dour times when it was the 3DS and the Wii U uh-huh. that kind of proved that, like, oh, oh no. Mm, <laughs> mm. 
I mean, the th- yeah, it, it, the 3D game technology, you know, it's kind of interesting. They'd actually been experimenting with the 3D technology since the, the, since the 80s. They had a Famicom 3D system. They had these uh, active sh- uh, shutter glasses <laughs> and an adapter that connected to the Famicom, and uh, it would allow you to see certain games in 3D. They used that same technology. They, you know, that, that same technology is what led to the 3DS. Um they had uh, yeah it's it's crazy they, they back even when let's see they I had, mean a lot of uh, the Sega Master System had 3D glasses they also had the, you know the Virtual Boy uh, was <laughs> another yeah was another thing that again that was kind of the thread though for the 3DS that they were working mm. with that technology where you could look at a screen and have depth. Uh, push through so you know I mean a horrible failure though uh, the the virtual boy of course and even in uh, the GameCube they had a uh, LCD attachment that could display true stereoscopic 3D which stereoscopic 3D is what uh, they ended up you know using on the 3DS which again is the type of 3D that gives things a sort of depth um, they were they had a weird attachment that you could play Luigi's Mansion um, with stereoscopic 3D but uh, it, it didn't actually make it to the public market um, and that was even for the GameCube um, and then they they worked on some 3D LCD stuff for the Game Boy Advance SP, uh, but that was also failed. And then they also again this never came out, but there's this museum uh, at uh, called uh, Shigurudan. Uh, which they had created like a virtual navigation guide for and they used uh, 3D, they were doing a lot of they were trying to make it a 3D experience and that again was shelved but that is the exact thread, they used that technology for the 3DS. Speaking of museums another great thing I love about uh, the DS is the Nintendo DS Louvre Louvre the Louvre, the Nintendo DS Louvre guide, the Louvre in in uh, Paris, France. They, they they for five bucks you can you rent a DS made specifically mm. for the museum. It's got fucking maps like Zelda or Metroid at the bottom that leads you around the museum, and then um, you can use its camera and and uh, or it has uh, what is it six hundred photographs. 30 plus hours of audio commentary, high resolution images, 3D mod, mo, uh, models, and video commentaries uh, for the artwork. So it's like this wonderful companion uh, if you go there. You, uh, I can't wait to go. I went once, but they didn't have it yet. And I want to go back just so that I can like fuck with a 3D, uh, 3DS while I walk around. That was an early promise of the DS. Uh, I think uh, if you live in Seattle, you might remember that they had a uh, Basically, if you brought your DS to the Mariners stadium, you could like download their special baseball app and you could get like the score and who's up bad and like news. Yeah, it's awesome. It's uh, such a cool thing. And obviously, if you brought your DS to any like GameStop or anything, you could download demos directly from their like little unit. It, it was it was, you know, in a world before the iPhone, the DS had this wireless connected thing ready to go. And it mm-hmm. was it was uh it's kind of a shame that the iPhone kind of killed portable gaming for a while yeah. there. Which I think is ridiculous, you know? I, I even went on recently, and I was, like, complaining about this, I think, on my Twitch stream, started a thread on, mm-hmm. like, Unlimited Lives on Facebook. Somebody was talking about this because I was, I was like, I went, I didn't have my 3DS for whatever reason, so I was like, oh, I'll get a, a game on my phone. And I went onto the games uh, in the iPhone store, and I scrolled around, and I was just like, I can't find anything on here I even really want to play. This you don't want to like, play Clash of Gems? You know what I'm saying? It's 
it's like or a gem of treasure. And it's just such a shame to me because I'm just like, there are so many really well made, cheap as shit games you can get on the DS or the 3DS, and you don't need, you know, and it, I don't know. It's just like the quality is is it's such a leap for me personally mm-hmm. in quality to the to what kinds of games you can play on a DS to like what kinds of games you can play on your iPhone that I just don't I can't believe that people really just don't want to even go there. You it's know, the audience the audience there has been trained to accept like garbage games for free. Right. That like anybody with something to offer, you know, uh, they tried putting a lot of uh, DS kind of. Uh, uh, Ghost Trick Phantom Detective was an amazing I'm DS glad game. Glad you mentioned Ghost Trick. I was uh, going to mention Ghost they Trick. They released that for iOS, but uh-huh. it costs like, you know, $5 a chapter, uh-huh. and nobody took the bait on it because, no, games are free on a phone. Right, um, right. The, uh, the Final Fantasy remakes were also up there, and they were like the most expensive things in the store. Yes. Um, and uh, I've been dying, dying for a good rhythm game on my phone that could compete on the same level of addictiveness and personality and fun as Elite Beat Agents or the Japanese version Osutakate Oendon which involves male cheerleaders <laughs> like tough gangster cheerleaders it's a very good game I don't speak a word of Japanese and I love the, also, those games so rhythm, much Rhythm Heaven's fun right? Rhythm Heaven is maybe also one of my most favorite games. Okay and that's crazy for you to say that because it's I- actually downloaded uh, Rhythm Heaven uh Fever or whatever the newest yeah. one is is downloaded on my 3DS right now. I, it's crazy for you to say that because I earlier just named I want to say like ten upwards of twenty games that I now consider some of my favorite games of all time, and you're naming a game that might be one of your favorite games of all time, and I've never even played it, and it's on the same system. I can't. I, I've like like the cool thing about it is that my 3DS is still going strong. I've had it since what? I've had it for. Years now, I don't know how many years. What was 2011? I think is when it first came out. Oh, okay. Well, when was Link Between Worlds? That was the, that was around when 2013, I got it. 2013, 2014. I so. Five years, something like that. Oh, maybe it's 2015. Five years or whatever, it's still going really strong. Three years, it's still going really strong. And um, there, I still have a shitload of games to play on it that I just haven't gotten around to getting because I'm just trying to slowly work my way through them. It's it's pretty incredible. Like, it's, and it's and and the v, meanwhile the Vita tanked even harder than the PSP because again. It's too big of a commitment for a portable game. You can't. There's no room to experiment. There's no room to kind of just cut loose because you know you just have to create so much assets and create such a high fidelity experience that you know you might as well just be making a full size console game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, for the 3DS, you can just be like Pushmo. It's called Pushmo. Pushmo's awesome. <laughs> I love Pushmo. Another puzzle game. Yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, it's so good. You play a chubby idiot. You push. <laughs> Also, another innovative thing. He's quite fat and dumb. (laughs) Another innovative thing on the 3DS that was still just not too little, too late was the... Face Raiders. (laughs) I was going to say the augmented reality with the cards. Nobody, I've never, I I was scared to throw them away. They're still in a drawer somewhere. Never had to even unwrap the package on those with. I played with them a little bit. Well, Bravely Default came with some cards and Uh. I played with that and it was very fun to have like an anime lady hop out of a card and like talk to me. Oh, there's a scene in Bravely Second where they use the gyroscope and uh-huh. like you're basically I was I felt like such a fucking moron standing in the middle of my 
room twisting yes, my body I was doing trying that. to make sure that I saw where the action was happening. I was, I was doing that as well. Because there's a gyroscope in the 3DS as yep. well. Uh, there's still 3D cameras. On, I'm just waving it in the yeah. air now. There's still 3D cameras on this thing that like, <laughs> no, like nobody has ever used. Right. And and it's, and I will say, yeah, the AR it really wasn't utilized very much and, and it was, you know, not a, that big of a deal. And the 3DS, uh, the 3D part of the 3DS, which luckily you can at least turn on and turn off. Um, it's fun for like five minutes and then you're like, okay, cool. All right, I'm done with this. I'm going to turn this off now. But there were some games, Link Between Worlds, Mario 3D Land, um, some games that did utilize the 3D in I'm fun a- ways. I'm actually currently playing uh, Kirby Planet Robobot. That's the name of it. Don't <laughs> don't judge me. Planet Robobot. Um, maybe Robobot. I like to say Robobot. Um, and uh, it is important to have the 3D on in there because a lot of elements are like kind of going in and out through the screen and you have to like time how you navigate through the space. And it's really well done. And Kirby is adorable. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, what else? I was... I, uh, if we, it's it's too much. It's it's literally too. It's been over a it's been over a decade of solid games. Oh that yeah, you experience directly in front of your face. It's such an intimate thing. Well, I just wanted to say too. Uh, I, I mentioned Fire Emblem a couple times, but uh, it is an incredible series. Fire Emblem Awakening blew my mind. It was such a fun game. I was I was a a, a, a buddy in college got me into Shining Force, uh. which is a Sega Genesis title that was a real real time uh, or it's a tactical RPG. So it's essentially like a big chessboard where, where you have a bunch of different characters that you level up and you move them around and fight other armies. Well, uh, Fire Emblem took that format and and added uh, this element of relationships and you can get married and have kids and then those kids can fight for you and it's all based on how you position different players next to each other on the board when they're fighting other uh, enemies. They'll like grow uh, uh, compatible and they'll they'll form friendships and relationships um, and grow more experience together and so there's this whole side story of all these different like friendships and relationships that are happening and also it had permadeath for characters if you so decided to use it and I did for Fire Emblem Awakening and I have to say that that led to some very quasi emotional moments when like a, a person that I had been working on leveling up um, raising his kids raising his kids doing all this stuff and they'd fall in battle and I would say you know what I'm not going to hit restart on this one I'm going to let this person die and it's going to fuck with me a little bit and the final especially battle especially because you need those archers to take down those Pegasus yep. assholes Oh, those fucking Pegasus assholes. And the, and the final uh, battle of that game, like half of my army fell in the final yeah. battle. And it was amazing. And they had little memorials for them at the end during the credits. And it was like kind of fucked. That's actually, and I feel like this might be the point we end on, is the fact is, is that these games, you know, you're not, a, you're not kind of leaning back on a couch. You're not uh, hanging out with, you're not hanging out with friends. A lot of these games, a lot of these experiences happen just between you and the system. And it might be just a few inches in front of your face and like just alone, basically alone uh, or in public, maybe on public transportation, you are like going through this journey and having these intensely personal experiences. And I don't know, it's almost more intense than like a PC game or a, or a full size console game. Like it, you are, con- you are physically connected to the machine itself. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the DS screen, uh, 
is a brilliant the screens are a brilliant solution to the fact that like you still need it to be portable you still need to fold it in your pocket but it still gives you enough visual you know more visual information than if it was just like a little square and as always they push for people to go walk around they give you yeah. they had a step tracker and you'd get coins P- from it that you could spend on their little like online uh, uh, store or oh, whatever puzzle pieces uh, yeah to I, get I, puzzle get, pieces I get bonus and stickers and planet robobot uh, and, and, and besides the personal connection which there was so much of that there was also with the Wi-Fi and all that I think that's what kept Pokemon alive is that all mm-hmm. these kids who were so alone and so independent and so solitary finally were able to battle their Pokemon against other people all over the world with the, because of the Wi-Fi connection I do remember it, at the creek in the cave every <laughs> Sunday there was this like crazy Pokemon meetup where it was a bunch of real real like lonesome look, looking people real weird awkward looking people sitting I, around we, with their DS all the comedians hated the Nintendo yes. group that used to hang out they in would, the basement they were all very looked like they did not get out much and this was their one and, and the DS was the thing that was pushing and Pokemon was the thing that was pushing them all to meet up in this space once a week and like socialize uh, so I think it kind of did, did a great job at doing both all right for the love of the Lord I think that's that's uh, I think that's about it for for this system uh, yeah I mean it's it might have been too much more than we can chew because uh, <laughs> uh, yeah it was it's it was honestly a lot of fun to just revisit and just kind of bask in just how much uh, these systems have brought people joy uh, you know and you know it's the screen isn't high def it was made to be dropped by a 12 year old multiple times and uh, it's it's goofy it's everything goofy and yet wonderful about Nintendo and uh, you know uh, obviously people are going to be talking all week on the Facebook group uh, uh, there's a Facebook group on uh, you go there and talk about the latest episodes or just insult uh, my family <laughs> and yeah please throw us your favorite games your you know what what you what you remember most fondly your best experiences and uh, hey thanks for listening to the episode check us out uh, write write a review and rate us on uh, on the iTunes uh, store oh, but hear me out though leave a review and write it down at the iTunes store <laughs> or, or otherwise uh, this is another thing you can do seriously just just open the app right now and leave us a review we need it please we need love. it and also uh, thanks for joining us and uh, also you can catch me Holdenator's Ho on Twitch uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Best Jake Young and remember kids don't say goodbye to the sun I I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good tag for us to end on. I can never figure it out. And remember, children, ignore your parents. Play video games. (laughs) All right. I can get by that. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Price drop. Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.